0: Thank you for uh, just letting me have the opportunity to come up here and speak to you today. Um, as Vaughn said, I'm Autumn Cole. Uh, my husband, uh, Jared, and I, we have four kids. Our oldest, Ronan, is eight. Our daughter, Emerson, is six. Our son, Asen, is four, and our youngest daughter, Eloin is two. So when Vaughn says he was thinking about someone, after Joel told him no, who would come and speak on Mother's Day... I think what happened is he was thinking, like, who do I know who's got a gaggle of kids who can possibly speak about motherhood? And so when he asked me, I said, well, I have a gaggle of kids. Surely I can speak something about motherhood. And I love being a mom, and I love connecting to other moms, so I thought, this is just a really great opportunity. Unfortunately for both Vaughn and myself, the message that God laid on my heart this morning is just not a traditional Mother's Day message, (laughs) I thought this would be really simple. Like, I know about being a mom. I am in the weeds of motherhood right now. I have four kids who, I mean, they're little, so they have a lot of needs. I should be able to speak on this. But as God was just teaching me as I was reading scripture and praying, it it just isn't a traditional Mother's Day message. So if you are planning on doing some last-minute shopping online to get your mom a gift, uh, I hope that you'll put that to the side and that you'll that you'll listen, because I think that God just really wants to say something to us this morning, um, and I hope that it speaks to you the way that it has spoken to me over the last several weeks. So I'm just going to pray really quick before we get started. I'm not a professional speaker. Uh, Vaughn deserves full credit for doing this every week. We tease him about taking time off, but it's exhausting. I'm tired. I almost can't wait for this to be over. I don't. Vaughn must go home and just sleep for the all day Sunday because it it's very tiring. So I'm going to pray quickly before we get started this morning. Uh, Lord Jesus, I just thank you for this opportunity to come here. Uh, I thank you for a Sunday uh, set aside to honor moms and to just recognize uh, all that they do. And Lord, I thank you uh, just for a chance to speak about what you've been teaching me. And Lord, I just pray that you would open our ears that you would soften our hearts so that we can hear what you want to say. And Lord, I pray that you would hide me behind the cross, Lord, that it wouldn't be my ideas or my words spoken, but that it would clearly be your message. It's in your name I pray. Amen. So the title of this message is called Upcycle. And if you uh, know anything, if you're an HGTV junkie or uh, you watch shows like Fixer Upper, I, I do a lot, um, my kids tease me, they, when they see Chip and Joanna on a magazine, they'll say, those are your mom, those are your people. That's it, you know them. I don't know them, but I watch enough of the show. Upcycle is kind of this new trendy term where we take something that's old, we've, it's been tossed aside, it's not useful anymore, or maybe it's not as pretty. And then in Chip and Joanna's case, they make it into someone's dream home. They give it new life, it's got new purpose, it's beautiful again. And upcycling is, is not a new concept. In my life. In fact, I grew up in a home that didn't have a lot of money, so upcycling is what we called survival. <laughs> we couldn't just go to the store and buy a product that was marketed toward whatever problem we had. We just had to use what we had in our house and figure out how to fix the problem. And so upcycling is, is nothing new to me. In fact, my, my grandma, we call her kind of the queen of upcycling, we think she created this idea. Because she'll find things. She used to make my grandpa stop and back up on the highway because she would see something, and she just knew that it was going to be useful for something. And so she creates these really cool projects at her house. And her parents, my great-grandparents, were antique dealers. So my family is not new to this idea that there are things that are kind of tossed aside that maybe aren't useful anymore, and new life is brought to them. And I consider my whole life an upcycle project. I grew up in a home. I said... Uh, we didn't have a lot of money. My childhood was spent at or below poverty level for a lot of my childhood. Um, My dad is an alcoholic. My mom is the victim and the survivor of domestic violence. And eventually my parents ended up divorced. And so statistically speaking, there was a lot of waste in my childhood. (laughs) There was a lot of projections about what my life should look like at this point. But God stepped into my life, And he used those things to do some really beautiful things in my life. And I don't think I'm an anomaly. I don't think that my case is uniquely special. I think God is in the business of doing this. I think he takes waste, he redeems it, and he makes it something really beautiful. And I think scripture is full of that message. And I want to just kind of take one, well, two stories this morning and just uh, look at that and how God took this specific example and he used what was Seemingly waste, and he did something really beautiful with it. So I'm going to be teaching from uh, John chapter 12 and Mark 14 this morning, and you can turn in your Bibles, open your app; it will be on the screen as well. Um, and I'll just tell you right now, uh, these stories are almost identical. They—I don't want you to think i like have mom brain. I didn't understand that these were very similar stories, but the details have so much value in them that I couldn't—I couldn't just bring it into one story. I think we need both stories so that we can see what's happening. So I'm going to start in verse one here. Six days before the Passover celebration began, Jesus arrived in Bethany, the home of Lazarus, the man he had raised from the dead. A dinner was prepared in Jesus' honor. Martha served, and Lazarus was among those who ate with him. So just really quickly, just giving you a little context, this is the end of Jesus' life. So we see it six days before Passover, We know Jesus was killed at Passover time. He's in the city of Bethany. He's at the home of a man named Lazarus. And if you grew up in the church or you know scripture well, you know that Lazarus was a friend of Jesus who had fallen sick. He then died. He was wrapped in his grave clothes. He was put in his tomb. And then Jesus came late, and he grieved with Lazarus' sisters. And then he does this thing where he calls into the tomb, and lo and behold, Lazarus, who was fully dead, comes walking out. He's at Lazarus' house today. They're having a meal in his honor, probably like an appreciation dinner. It's probably the least they can do (laughs) for Jesus bringing him back to life. And in verse 3, it says, Then Mary took a 12-ounce jar of expensive perfume made from essence of nard, and she anointed Jesus' feet with it, wiping his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance. But Judas Iscariot, the disciple who would soon betray him, said, That perfume was worth a year's wages. It should have been sold and the money given to the poor. Not that he cared for the poor. He was a thief. And since he was in charge of the disciples' money, he often stole some for himself. Jesus replied, Leave her alone. She did this in preparation for my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. What we see happening in the story is this Dinner is being prepared, a woman comes in, she pours out this perfume, she's criticized for this gift, but Jesus stops them because he sees value in what they considered waste. Then if you hop on over to Mark 14, I promise you, you're going to think I've lost my mind. Bible scholars argue about whether these are two different stories or the same story because they're so similar. The details are enough different that some people believe that the authors who wrote these stories had specific reasons for changing the details. And other Bible scholars believe that these are very distinct uh, examples um, and they have their own evidence for this. But there are enough details in here that I think are important this morning. So if you look at the very beginning, it says it was now two days before Passover. So the first story was six days. We're getting closer to Jesus' death. Now it's two days before Passover. He's going to die. I'm going to skip down to verse 3. Meanwhile, Jesus was in Bethany at the home of Simon, a man who had previously had leprosy. Bible scholars, again, they have to do some speculation here. They think that this man, Simon, was actually healed by Jesus. And this is a continued relationship that they have. I'd like to believe that's true. I'd like to believe that Jesus connected with some of the people that he healed. And he's having a home now, or having a dinner in his home now. While he was eating, a woman came in again with a beautiful alabaster jar of expensive perfume made from essence of nard. She broke open the jar and poured the perfume over his head. So in the first story, she's anointing his feet. In this story, she's anointing his head. Some of those at the table were indignant. Why waste such expensive perfume, they asked. It could have been sold for a year's wages and the money given to the poor, so they scolded her harshly. But Jesus replied, leave her alone. Why criticize her for doing such a good thing to me? You will always have the poor among you, and you can help them whenever you want to, but you will not always have me. She has done what she could, and she has anointed my body for burial ahead of time. I tell you the truth. Wherever the good news is preached throughout the world, this woman's deed will be remembered and discussed. So like I said, two nearly identical stories. Just some of the details have, are, are a little bit different. But what I think we have to recognize before we can kind of dig in and see, like, what beautiful things was Jesus doing through this waste? I think we have to recognize that this woman was putting Jesus first in her life. I think if we want to see God do beautiful things in our life, if we want to see it clearly, we have to put him first in our life. And the evidence of this is this perfume that this woman poured onto Jesus in, in both stories was called essence of nard or pure nard. And it's made from a plant called spikenard, and spikenard is grown in India, and it's very difficult to grow, it's very difficult to harvest, and so it has to be imported, and so that drives up its value. And then to be made into perfume is another long and difficult process, which further drives up the value of this perfume. It's very expensive. It's not a cheap imitation knockoff. She has the real, the actual perfume. And this perfume is associated with kings and queens. Maybe a wealthy bride would be able to present it uh, for her wedding. But it's not something that everybody has. It has a lot of value. It has a lot of dollar value to it. But also because of its association with kings and queens, when that fragrance is smelled, everybody knows that the best is being offered. So when these women pour out their most valued treasure onto Jesus, they are physically demonstrating that their treasure, that their most valued possession is with Jesus. He is the desire of their heart. And they seem to just know that Jesus is worthy of their worship, that he's worthy of the best, and that he's worthy of first in their life. And when when they did this, some beautiful things began to happen in this story. And I think the same thing is true of us. When we put Jesus first, we can begin to see some really beautiful things happen in our story. So as we move on through this story. At the very beginning, um, we see Mary pours out this perfume onto Jesus's feet. And at the end of verse 3 in John chapter 12, there's just this really little phrase. And I've read this story a lot of times, but this time it like slapped me in the face. I couldn't, I couldn't believe that I'd missed it so many other times. It says, the house was filled with the fragrance. Here's our first point this morning. When we put Jesus first, others are blessed. When this woman poured out this perfume, she wasn't setting out to bring a gift to anyone else. She was setting out to honor Jesus. And when she did that, others were just automatically blessed. When we honor Jesus, others are honored. You see, when you think about how this story was happening, they're in this person's home, and I don't know a lot about homes in this uh, cultural context. I'm guessing it wasn't huge, And I know that Jesus and his disciples are there, so that's 13 guests. And then in the case of at Lazarus' house, there's Mary, Martha, Lazarus. That's 15 people. And then any other guests that they invited to honor Jesus. I don't know about you, but if I have over 15 people in my dining room, it is crowded. It is getting hot. It's getting stuffy. It's a little bit uncomfortable. And if that happens in our home, we just turn on the AC. But Mary could not go and turn up the thermostat. She couldn't do that. She couldn't plug in a fan to get the air moving. They were just stuck in this sticky situation. And then you think about the lifestyle of Jesus. Uh, The disciples did not roll up in an Escalade and get out in their glory. They walked through dusty streets. They were sweating. Uh, Hygiene wasn't exactly what we know in America, so I'm guessing there's some body odor. It's probably not exactly the most pleasant dinner party. And yet, we read that when she pours out this perfume, the room is filled with this fragrance. It offers a relief to this situation. And if you don't think that that's a big blessing, I would challenge you to serve in youth ministry. <laughs> Jared and I, uh, at different times, have, since we were started dating, have, have done different work in youth ministry. And middle school ministry is particularly challenging. It's just a kind of a weird time of life anyway. But... Boys that age, and I hate to say boys, but it is mainly boys, are kind of gross. And it never failed. We'd start the night and we'd have some kind of rambunctious game, and everybody would be really energized and excited and moving. And then we'd get to the Jesus part of our nights. So we'd get everybody together, and it wouldn't take one minute before the sweat and the body odor and the feet oh, my goodness, the feet. The smell would be so overwhelming in that room, and no one, not a single volunteer or a single leader, thought that Glade Air Freshener or Febreze was anything short of a blessing. (laughs) As soon as you would start to get some relief from that smell, you would start to, okay, we can concentrate again. We can get into what we set out to do. And so in this case, we see that when this woman honored Jesus, she also offered a gift to those around her when we put Jesus first in our life others are blessed as we keep reading we see that even though the guests at this table were benefiting from this gift they criticized her they criticized her for wasting the gift that she brought to Jesus but in Mark fourteen eight, Jesus says this he says she has done what she could here's my second point this morning When we put Jesus first, we do what we can. You see, when I read this story, I want to say that my faith and I'm so mature that I side with Jesus right away. I get what he's saying. Leave this woman alone. But when I hear the voices at the table, they actually make a lot of sense to me. Some mathematicians or perhaps people who just have a lot of time they have calculated the cost of this perfume. If you were to buy it today and offer the same gift, they've calculated the cost and did all the numbers. And they say, and it's a, a big estimate, but they say anywhere between ten dollars and $30,000 this perfume was worth. So even if it's on the low end, $10,000, that's a pretty valuable <laughs> perfume you have in your hands. And so when these, when these disciples are saying or, and the people around her are saying, you are wasting that You could have sold that. You could have fed a lot of mouths. You could have clothed a lot of children. You could have repaired homes for people who don't have homes. To me, I'm thinking, yes, that would have had a huge, huge impact. That makes more sense to me than pouring it out on Jesus' feet. And yet, when you look at Jesus' response, he's not impressed with what the bigger impact was. He's impressed that she did what she could do. And I think in today's society, especially with social media and 24-hour news cycles and we have access to the internet at all times with our phone, we get really disillusioned by what we can actually do. I think we become, and I've fallen on both sides of this, really paralyzed when we see the hurt and the awful things that are happening in this world and we think, I can't do anything. And so we don't. Or we look around and we say, well, I could do this small thing, but it's so insignificant, it doesn't even matter. So we don't do anything. But Jesus isn't impressed with what makes the bigger impact. He doesn't want the bigger splash. He just wants us to do what we can do. Our community group uh, recently did a book study on uh, the book Wonder Life, and it's by Mike Foster. And there's a particular quotation in it that just... It, it just really spoke to my heart, and I'm going to share it with you this morning. It says, the ministry of guacamole making, warm hug giving, and packing kids' lunches is just as significant as fighting the evils of human trafficking. You may not think so, but God does. He never called us to be famous, only faithful. Care for people only you can see. Give the gifts only you can give. Spread the joy you were made to share. And I don't know if that speaks to me so loudly because I'm in a season of my life where I don't have a career right now. I'm not pursuing an education. I'm a stay-at-home mom. I stay home with my four kids, and the day-in and day-out activities I perform are really insignificant. (laughs) They don't have a big impact, and a lot of it involves waste. (laughs) I change a lot of diapers. And in almost nine years of parenting, I have changed a lot of diapers. And there is no way to spin that positively. It is just pure waste. You are literally just throwing out waste when you're changing diapers. And I have made a lot of meals that people don't want to eat. I picked up a lot of snack wrappers because kids don't want to eat the meals that I've made. My days consist of things that feel really invaluable. And yet I know that when God calls us to do something that we can do, He's using it to do something with purpose, something that will be beautiful. We often discredit what we can do because it seems wasteful or insignificant or of no use to anyone. But these women, when they poured out this gift, it was also deemed waste. And yet Jesus saw it and he knew he intended to use it to do something really beautiful. I think he wants to do the same with us. It might be something big that God is asking us to do, but oftentimes I think it's in the small things that we think are wasted or insignificant, and he says, just do it. I'm going to use it to do something beautiful. Jared and I spent our 10th wedding anniversary, it was in January, and we spent it in San Diego. We took a long weekend without our kids, and we went there, and instead of renting a car, we decided we would just take an Uber to their different destinations, and so we would... I don't know how you do it. You order a car (laughs) to come and get you. And someone would bring a car, and they would take us to wherever we wanted to go. And in one particular car, we got into the car, and the woman spoke pretty broken English. She wasn't rude, but she wasn't overly friendly. Uh, But she quickly turned up the radio. So it was pretty clear to us she didn't want to converse. Maybe she was just uncomfortable for whatever reason. But it was pretty clear to us that she did not want to chit-chat with us. So we just sat in the back seat and we talking, but in the background, I recognized the song that was playing on the radio. And pretty soon, I recognized the radio station is a national radio station called K-Love. It's a Christian radio station. And the second that I recognized the radio station, the Holy Spirit said to me, I want you to pray with that woman. To which I said, You mean for that woman? And he said, No, I want you to pray with that woman. And so for 15 minutes, we argued back and forth about what he could really mean when he said, Pray with this woman. And so we pulled into our destination. She pulled off to the side of the road. And I took a deep breath and I said, I I hear that you're listening to Caleb. My husband and I are also believers. And Jared looked at me like, Are you insane? And this woman looked at me like, Please don't be insane. And I said, is there anything I can pray for you today? And she kind of just looked at me a little bit stunned, and she thanked me for connecting with her, and initially she said no, but she sat there for a minute, and she started to share her story with us, and she was a really proud mom, and she had a son who was just starting in ministry, and she was so excited for him, and a few months before, she had had a son who was killed, and not only was she grieving the loss of her son, but He had supplemented their family's income, and that's why she was driving Uber. They couldn't afford for her not to, but she didn't enjoy doing it. It wasn't fulfilling to her, and so she was just kind of at a loss. She just really wanted a different job. And so we prayed with her, and she thanked us, and we both just went on our ways. And I don't share the story because something really great came out of it. I share the story because when I was in that car, I did what I could do. I could have heard her story, and I could have thought, I can't give you a job. I can't bring your son back to life. I don't even know your son in ministry. There's nothing I can do for him. I could have heard her story and thought, there's nothing I can do. But God spoke very clearly to me that he wanted me to do something small that maybe wouldn't have the impact that I would have liked to have seen. But I know that when he called me to do that, He intended to use it for something really beautiful, something with purpose. And I'd like to think that even today, this woman, the things that we prayed are being revealed to her. I don't know if they are or not, but I do know that when we put Jesus first, we do what we can. As we go through this story and we see that Jesus praises this woman's actions, he also says this in Mark 14.9. He says, I tell you the truth, wherever the good news is preached throughout the world, this woman's deed will be remembered and discussed. Here's our third point. When we put Jesus first, we make a lasting impact. When these women poured out this oil, it would seem really insignificant. It would seem like there was no purpose in it other than to just worship Jesus. But he had a bigger plan. He had more that he wanted to do with that. And I'm guessing that she... Didn't even when Jesus said that, she had no idea that centuries later we would be in North Platte, Nebraska, in the Rock Church, on Mother Day, Mother's Day 2019, and we would still be talking about this little thing that she did. Jesus made it a lasting impact, not just this one small thing that she did. I recently read a story about a woman whose name was Hilde Bach. And Hilde was a teacher in the '70s in Sweden. And a group approached her and said, we're putting together a sponsorship program for children in Kenya so that they, for a small monthly fee, they can continue their education. And Hildi, being a teacher, she values education. She thought, sure, I can do that. So each month, Hildi would write her check and she would send it off to Kenya. And the particular student that she was sponsoring, his name was Chris Maburu. And Chris, through Hildi's sponsorship, was able to finish his education And then he went on to the University of Nairobi. And from Nairobi, he went to Harvard Law School. So Chris has a whole world of opportunity open to him. He's got a lot of job opportunities. He has a lot of things that he can do with his life. But he was so deeply impacted by Hildy's monthly gift that he started his own educational fund. He named it the Hildy Bach Education Fund, which is so sweet that he named it after his sponsor. But not only that, but this particular education fund has helped over 800 children in Kenya to finish their education. I'm guessing when Hilde wrote that check every month and she sent it off, she was hoping at the very least that she was helping one faceless kid in Africa to finish his education. She had no idea that her small act would go on to impact an entire country of children. I think that we don't understand, just like the women in these stories didn't understand, that our small acts, when we partner them with Jesus, will go on to make a lasting impact. When we choose Jesus first, he will redeem the waste, and he'll make it something beautiful. See, God has been in the business of upcycling since the very beginning of time. When God created trees, he created them in such a way that When they would breathe, when they would exhale the waste that they no longer needed, it would be the very thing that we would inhale that we would need to sustain our lives. And the very thing that we exhale as waste is the very thing that trees need to sustain their life. God wastes nothing. He wants to use all of the pieces and he wants to use it to do something good something beautiful, something useful. You see, when these women poured out this perfume onto Jesus, he not only recognized it as worship, he not only used it to bless others, he not only said, I will make sure people are talking about this for a long time, he connected it with his death. And he didn't bring up his death because he doesn't understand proper party etiquette. (laughs) He brought it up because he was reminding them something bigger is happening here. My story is bigger than this circumstance. I'm sure when Jesus' friends and his disciples saw him breathe his last breath, they thought, what a waste of precious life. When we think about Jesus' ministry, how short it was, just a few years long and the impact that he had, he preached this really profound message of love and compassion, something that was pretty new to people he would heal the sick he would touch the untouchable he would go to places that nobody else would go you know his friends looked at his life and thought gosh what could have he done with 30 years of ministry or 60 years of ministry what a waste and all the while God was whispering I will take this waste and I will do something beautiful Because we know the rest of the story. We know that because of Jesus' death, we can have forgiveness of sins. We know that through Jesus' death, we can have a relationship with our Heavenly Father. And we know that through Jesus' death, we have victory because of his resurrection. God was working in what would appear to be wasted. And he was orchestrating something that would have the ultimate purpose, ultimate beauty. God wastes nothing. He redeems our wastes, and he takes things and makes them beautiful. I told you earlier kind of the Cliff Notes version of my childhood story. What I didn't tell you is that I have a mom who is a believer. I have grandparents who are believers. And so they made sure that I faithfully went to church. They prayed over my life. They gave me a really strong spiritual foundation to stand on. And through them, I met Jesus. And when Jesus stepped into my life, he didn't just say, here's a ticket to heaven about the rest of this stuff. uh, Well, you know what statistics say, but I will see you on the other side. He said, I see the hurt, I see the broken pieces. I see the waste. I know what people are saying will happen, but I will do something beautiful. And he did. The life that I have today is not the life that I should have. But because God takes the waste and he makes it something beautiful, we can count on that. Scripture is really clear that just because we know Jesus does not mean that we will not experience more waste or more hurts. The things from my childhood still, impact me today. I have still had wasted opportunities. I still perform acts that feel really insignificant. But I know the scripture is also abundantly clear that God will waste nothing. As we close this morning, I just, I want to offer kind of a challenge to you. (laughs) If you're sitting here today and you're thinking, I don't have a relationship with Jesus. He's certainly not first in my life, but I would love for God to take the waste and the broken pieces, and I would love for him to do something useful with them, make something beautiful out of them. In a minute, I'm gonna pray, and you can pray with me, and you can enter into a relationship with Jesus. God is so gracious. He doesn't make us jump through hoops or perform anything great to have a relationship with him. He makes it so simple. Or maybe you're sitting here today and you know that God is saying, I have given you a talent, I have given you a gift, I have given you a story that I want to use, but you have to pour it out onto me. Let me use this waste. Waste it on me. And then I know that there is someone sitting in here this morning who you can pour out nothing. Nothing. Because you are clinging so tightly to waste that you think disqualifies you from being a part of anything beautiful. I don't know if it was an ugly divorce. Maybe you were the victim of abuse. Maybe you were hurt by the church. Whatever it is, God is saying, pour it out onto me. I will take this waste. I will pick it up and I will begin to make something beautiful. If everybody would just close their eyes, we're going to pray here really quickly. And if you are the person sitting here today and you're saying, gosh, I I don't really know that much about Jesus. He's not first in my life. But I will put him there because I want something beautiful with the broken pieces. I'm going to pray and you can repeat after me or you can say a prayer similar. Lord, we just thank you that you waste nothing. And God, I just give you my broken pieces, Lord, the sin, the wasted opportunities. I just ask that you would be first in my life, that you would take away those things, and that you would make them something beautiful and purposeful and useful again. And maybe you're sitting here today, and you know that God is asking you to to waste something on him, to pour something out something ugly or maybe it's a gift or a talent, I'm going to pray for you quickly too. Lord Jesus, I just pray for those who who know you. I pray that they would put you first in their lives. I pray that you would give them the courage to pour out whatever it is, Lord, whatever hurts they're clinging to, Father. I pray that they would lay them at your feet. I pray that you would pick them up and you would begin to show them how you want to use these things for something with purpose. Lord, I pray for those who have gifts and talents and abilities that are going unnoticed or that are being denied, maybe because of fear, or maybe because they think that they're insignificant. I pray that they will pour those at your feet, Lord, and that you would take those and do something with a lasting impact. Lord, I thank you again for today. I thank you that you do beautiful things in what would seem hopeless. It's in your name I pray. Amen.
1: Yeah, go ahead and give it up for you. You know, one of the few things popped in my mind as Autumn spoke The first I'll let me start with this one. First one is this. Uh, North Platte is a community of hardworking people. One of the very first things I noticed here. At, in, generally, no matter what community you go into, there's a group, but this community is full of just hardworking, middle-class, lower-class people. And I don't say that just to, so you can find out what class you think you belong to. I say that because A lot of times, when we find ourselves in those demographics, in those statistics that Autumn talked about, it is easy to think that I'm just here to work, put food on the table, go out the railroad, go to the distribution center, go to the power plant, be a stay-at-home mom so my husband can go off and work. It's easy to get caught in that rut. Very, very easy. I wanna let you know where you're at, God has placed you for a reason. Now, those things, stay home mom, the road, that's what you do. But you need to know the why. And that's when Jesus comes in. There's a reason why you are here. There's a reason why you are placed at the places where you're at. And our prayer is that you would find that purpose out. Because that is when you can make the biggest impact. And it may look small it may but up in heaven i tell you what they throw a party every single time you do something for god and if it means that much to heaven it should mean that much to us so please know that this morning second thing is this if you said yes to jesus as adam said that prayer we want to partner with you if you said that for the first time today or maybe it was a rededication believe that maybe we just have slipped away, but now you're coming back and say, God, I want to get right with you. Even if that was you this morning, can you just do us a favor and just check that box off? And all we need, if you are wanting us, is just put your name and address and we want to send you something in the mail just to help your walk out with Jesus. Last thing is this, as the ushers, if they want to go ahead and get ready this morning. It's easy to think that whoever speaks up here has everything worked out. And it's perfect. But for some reason, more times than not, the pastors I meet with have very similar stories, like Autumn's and mine. And I wonder if it's because when you learn to let go of the waste, God does something incredible with it. In fact, let me end with this, and I'll stop preaching. There's this, maybe you've heard of this, and I'm I'm gonna steal it from other pastors I've talked about, it, but there's this art form in Japan I never shared this yet, but it's it's just it's it's struck a chord with me. Um, they would take this priceless vessel, perfect vessel, out from um, the fire, the kindling fire, and you would think it's it's good, it's awesome. There's no reason to do anything more with this than maybe put some flowers in it. And this vase would go for just tons and tons of money. But what they would do is that they would take the vase and throw it on the ground and break it. Well, that's kind of a waste. <laughs> But then they would take the pieces, and then they would put it back together. Instead of using super glue or wood glue or clay glue, if that's even a thing, they would actually fill the cracks in with gold. And suddenly this vessel that was worth something but now broken is now worth something 10, 20, 50 times more than it was originally. And it struck a chord with me because I think that's exactly how God works. God takes your brokenness and your waste. He puts it back together. And it's worth far more now than what it ever was. So let that be encouragement. Autumn, thank you for sharing that word. Take this home with you. It's much more than just a Mother's Day message. It's very, very powerful.